It's the early 2000s. In America, pop culture is dominated by Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, and Paris Hilton. Juicy couture sweatsuits and Von Dutch trucker hats are the absolute must-have fashion items of the season. The very first Shrek movie is in theaters. And AOL Instant Messenger is the glue holding all of our preteen friendships together. While other places in the world weren't necessarily in on all the early 2000s crazes that America was, there was one thing that was becoming incredibly popular no matter what country it was in, the internet. The World Wide Web opened people up to just that, the world. Online chat forums were suddenly the go-to place to meet new people, and their popularity soared seemingly overnight. For many people, these chat forums offered something that most of them had never experienced before— the chance to meet and build relationships with people without ever actually having to meet them in person. In the early days, the internet was a whole lot less regulated than it is today, which means that with every well-intentioned, innocent chat form that popped up, where young, newly internet-savvy people were just looking to chat about their shared interests, there were darker, more dangerous chat forums that were created just as often. One of these more depraved sites was the Cannibal Cafe, a now-defunct forum frequented by people looking to share in their fetishes for, you guessed it, cannibalism. One of the people who accessed the Cannibal Cafe on a regular basis was then-39-year-old Armin Meves, a computer repair technician from Rotenburg, Germany. Like others on the forum, Meves too had a fetish for cannibalism. His paraphilia would lead him to begin posting on the Cannibal Cafe, seeking out a quote, normally built 18 to 25 year old to be slaughtered and then consumed. Baron Brandes, an engineer from Berlin, Germany, would answer Meves' advertisement in early March of 2001. By March 9, 2001, Brandes would be dead, his body butchered and flesh consumed over the next 10 or so months by Meves. In December of 2002, Meves would again be back posting on the Cannibal Cafe, looking to find his next willing victim. These posts would be what led to Meves' arrest and his confession, along with the discovery of the video that caught it all on tape, and it would bring to light one of the most sickening, unsettling crimes in German modern history. This is the story of Armin Meves, a.k.a. the Rotenberg Cannibal or Der Metzgermeister, the Master Butcher, and it'll turn your stomach to know that this shit really happened. Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Shit Really Happened, the true crime podcast where we deep dive into the most disturbing, depraved, and downright gruesome crimes that humans have ever committed. If you're new here, my name is Em, and I am your host. If you are not new here, welcome back. Thank you for coming back for episode two. I appreciate you. I'm glad to see you here. Um, As the intro said, today we are talking about the story of Armin Meves, a.k.a. the Rotenberg Cannibal or Der Metzgermeister, which is German for the Master Butcher. This is a case that has really fascinated me in the most morbid of ways since I first heard of it. I think... What really gets me the most, you know, without getting into too many spoilers before we really get into the meat, haha, no pun intended, (laughs) of this case is, you know, the fact that, you know, Meves, he wasn't just looking to 
pull any random person off the street and just like kill them and eat them. He wanted somebody who was like willing. He wanted somebody who wanted to be killed and who wanted to be eaten. And the fact that eventually he did find somebody who was willing to be killed and then eaten, the psychology, the the way the human brain works to have to have somebody or make somebody have those kind of wants and desires, like not only to want to eat somebody, but be somebody who wants to be eaten. That is hugely, hugely fascinating to me and is disgusting and disturbing as this case can be at times. You know, that psychology and just the way people's brains works and humans' brains works is just incredibly fascinating to me as morbid as it is to be fascinated by a case where somebody was you know killed and eaten (laughs) for you know 10 months or so Armin Meves was eating his victim's body uh it just makes me shudder but you know I am a morbidly curious person at heart you know sometimes I regret how curious I can be when I deep dive into some things that you know, I probably shouldn't be deep diving into. And then I come across something where I'm like, oh, God, I really wish I had not seen that. Um, you know, but with this case, um, it's disturbing. It's depraved. Um, but it's incredibly, incredibly interesting to me. And I hope that you all listening find it interesting as well. I would hope that if you clicked on this episode, you would have an interest in this. I really hope nobody is just randomly stumbling across this because this is definitely not the case for somebody to randomly stumble across as their first foray into listening to true crime podcasts. But if you're like me and you listen to like six or seven different true crime podcasts on rotation every single, you know, free waking moment of your life, then this is, you know, probably relatively tame for you. You know, if, if cannibalism ever can be considered relatively tame. Um, I did do quite a bit of research for this. I actually watched a documentary where Armin Meves was interviewed in prison. Um, Spoiler alert, he is in prison. Spoiler alert, he is still alive. (laughs) Um, I also listened to Talk Murder to Me's episode that they did on this, which was really super informative. Um, I also pulled some information from their blog, their site talkmurder.com. Um, so that's a really great site to put on there. They have some photos on there that if you really want to get into the, you know, grossness of this case, they do have some photos on their website that I am not going to post. But if you were interested in actually seeing those photos and looking at those things, you can find them on um, talkmurder.com, which is um, Talk Murder to Me, the podcast, their website. So shout out to Talk Murder to Me and not that they really need the shout out from me. But you know what? I listen to their podcast as part of my research for this episode. So, you know, why not give them a little bit of shout out? But, you know, let's go ahead and dive into the reason that you all are here, um, which is the case. So I just want to give a blanket trigger warning for the entirety of this episode. Um, We are obviously talking about very sensitive subjects, including cannibalism, you know, graphic violence. There is mentions of bodily mutilation, um, both 
before the victim is dead and after the victim is dead. Um, and then again, just like general depictions of, of not depictions, I guess, but descriptions of violence, things of that nature. So, you know, if that's not your cup of tea, I will see you on the next case. But if it is, let's go ahead and get on into it. So I do want to start this off first and foremost by giving a little bit of background as to who Armin Meves is. Um, I did mention that he is still alive. He was born December 1st, 1961 um, in Essen in West Germany. Um, there isn't a ton known about Meves' early life and upbringing, um, but we do know that he was the only son of his mother, who was Waltred Meves, and his father Dieter Meves. Um, he did have two half-brothers from his father's previous relationship with another woman, but Armin was the only child that his mother Waltraud and father Dieter had together. His mother was a thrice-divorcee. Meves has described her as being very domineering. Um, she did have kind of a rough or hard-to-get-along-with personality, this would eventually sadly lead to Meves' father abandoning him and his mother when Meves was just eight years old. Um, Meves' two half-brothers would also end up abandoning him and his mother not too long after that. So Meves was basically left alone with his mother. You know, he was the one who was there now to take care of her, and he became, you know, the man of the house because his mother, she was so afraid of going out and meeting somebody else, you know, falling for them, getting married, and then getting divorced. Because at this point, you know, she's been divorced. I think this is her third time being divorced. So she's kind of wary. She's kind of wary about going out and, and getting herself back out there because she didn't want to meet somebody and then have it end up like her other three relationships where they get married and then, you know, they leave her. So, you know, she decided to just stay single. And then Armin was was the man of the house, basically. He was the one who was there to, you know, take care of her. Um, Meves, he has recalled that, you know, his mother, his relationship with his mother was very toxic. Um, they were very, very close. He was, you know, her confidant. He was the only one she really had anymore after his after Armin's half-brothers had left and his father had left. Um, so a lot of what Meves describes as the first kind of inclinations he had of having these fantasies of, you know, wanting to enact violence on somebody or even, you know, he started having thoughts about eating people from a very young age, he had said. And these fantasies actually started after his mother had read him the story of Hansel and Gretel. Um, he would think about eating his classmates, and he actually made up an imaginary friend and a little brother that he called Frankie. He didn't really have a lot of friends his age, and, you know, his half-brothers had left him shortly after his father left him. So Armin had basically made up Frankie as, you know, someone to be his friend, someone that he could talk to and spend time with because he really didn't have anyone else. You know, the only person he had was his mother, and their relationship was, you know, not healthy. It was very, very toxic. Even though they were close, it was sort of the situation where, you know, it almost kind of reminds me of, like, Norman Bates and his mother, that relationship that they had. You know, just really unhealthy. They were the only two or the only people that the other one had in the entire world, it felt like, at that point. So, 
you know, it wasn't, it wasn't very healthy for Armin when he was living at home with his mother. Um, as he got older, um, his compulsions and cannibalistic fantasies really, really started to grow a lot harder to ignore. This actually started to scare him. It frightened him. He didn't want to have these compulsions. He felt like there was something wrong with him. He tried his best to ignore them, but these were thoughts that he had been having from a very, very young age. Like, I think in an interview he does, he mentions that, you know, he started having these compulsions like after his father left and he was eight or nine or 10 years old. So he was really, really young when these started. And as he got older, they just got worse and worse and more graphic. And it was a lot harder for him to basically to ignore them. And he he feared that at some point he would actually go and act on them. Um, so what Armin decided to do was actually join the army. So he joined the army in his early 20s, when he was in his early 20s, and he stayed in the army for 15 years, actually. Um, he describes, you know, making friends in the army. I believe he was a medic or something similar. He had risen up the ranks in the army. He was very successful. He was well-liked by his peers. You know, people described him as very, very polite, very charming. You know, he had a lot of friends in the army. Um, it wasn't until the late, or sorry, the mid-90s that he ended up, you know, leaving the army. And it was because he left to go move back in with his mother, with Waltrud, because she had been in a really bad car accident. Um, by 1996, basically she wasn't able to do anything really by herself at all because she had never fully recovered from this car accident that she was in. So Armin was again living with his mother. He was taking care of her. He was waiting on her hand and foot. You know, they were living in this enormous farmhouse in, in, I wanted to say the German wilderness, but it wasn't really the wilderness. It was, it was just a farmhouse. It was on a lot of land. It was this huge, huge home with like, 16 bedrooms or something crazy like that. It was gigantic. And it was just Armin and his mother alone in this house. And he was taking care of her because she really couldn't do anything for herself anymore. Um, and he actually lived with her until she died from a heart attack in 1999. Um, after his mother passed away, Meves actually felt like he had gained like a second chance at life. He's thinking you know, my mother is gone. I don't have to take care of her anymore. I have this enormous house to myself. You know, it's on a lot of land. There's not a lot of people around. So I'm free to do what I want, basically. And for Armin, who at this point, his fantasies have started to come back because he's no longer been able to distract himself, you know, with the army or with taking care of his mother after she dies. And, you know, he he decides that he's going to start indulging in these fantasies a little bit. You know, he he really wants to delve in to his, you know, people eating fantasies. And he wants to see if he can make them basically if he can make them a reality. So what Armin does is he begins spending a lot of time on the Internet. Um, he is at first looking at sites that are just centered around like death and, and things like that. But 
eventually he does start to discover these online forums that are centered around cannibalism. He finds the Cannibal Cafe, and at first he is, you know, browsing the posts on these forums. He's thinking that, you know, it's all a joke. There's no way these people on this forum can be serious. But the longer he spends looking at the posts, the longer he spends reading through them and seeing what the people on this forum are actually saying, he realizes that, you know, they're serious. There's genuinely people on this forum that are looking to A, eat people or talk about their fantasies of eating people and B, people who are looking to be eaten or talking about their fantasies of being eaten and things like that. And, you know, Meves is like, oh, hell yeah. He's like, these are my people. I have found the place I want to be. These people on the Cannibal Cafe, they get me. They have the same fantasies I do. I can post on this forum. Nobody's going to judge me. This is fantastic. So, you know, on the outside, Armin, he keeps up his facade of being, you know, quote unquote, normal. He still goes to work. He works a nine to five as a, like a computer repairman. He's off making friends with the few neighbors he does have. He's going on boating trips with them. He's, you know, hanging out. He's making friends. He's arming, you know, a cool dude. He just lives alone in this big farmhouse and he fixes computers. He's really chill. But, you know, then he goes home after he gets out of work and, you know, the other side of him comes out. That's the side where, you know, he is darker, he's depraved, he's thinking about eating people, he's spending hours on the Cannibal Cafe chatting to other people who want to eat people or who want to be eaten. And so he really had two sides to him that, you know, the people on the outside, his friends, his neighbors, they had no idea about. So... The Cannibal Cafe forum itself was filled with hundreds upon hundreds of people who were making posts about their own fantasies of cannibalism, you know, whether it was to eat or be eaten. Um, And Armin did kind of lurk for a little while. You know, like I said, he was trying to feel it out and see if the forum was really legit when he first discovered it. But after he got comfortable, he starts making some posts on the forum himself He starts expressing his desire. Um, He wants to find a young man, he states between the ages of 8 to 25, that would willingly allow him to butcher and eat him. Um, I was actually able to find a post on the Wayback Machine, which if you've never heard of that, it's an online archive where basically you can use it to search um, content or websites of anything that's ever been available on the internet, like ever. So if there's a site that once was and is no longer, you can actually go back using the Wayback Machine and find that site and look at the things that were posted on the site. So what I was able to find was the actual post that Armin had made, or one of the actual posts, I should say, on the Cannibal Cafe. Um, The subject of it was search for a young boy. And the content, I'm going to read this verbatim, it's I search a young boy between 18 and 25 years old. Have you a normal body? I butchering you and eat your horny flesh. From Frankie. 
And Armin actually signed all of his posts on this forum as Frankie. He didn't sign them with his name or anything like that. And if you remember, Frankie was that imaginary friend that he had made when he was a younger kid. So he's kind of taken on Frankie as this other personality of himself. Like Armin is the the normal guy. He's the one that works the nine to five. He repairs computers. He goes on boating trips with with his friends. And then Frankie is the darker side. Frankie is the one who's the cannibal. It's Frankie who's posting on this forum and Frankie who wants to eat somebody. So he kind of separated his personality into Armin and into Frankie. And so that's why he had signed all of his posts on the Cannibal Cafe as Frankie. So he is not only posting on this cafe, on the cafe, on the forum, um, he is responding to some other posts that he comes across every now and then on the forum as well. He does actually end up meeting with other men that he had met on the cafe prior to, you know, committing the crime that we're going to talk about in a little bit that he becomes infamous for. Um, and there is an interview done with him when he was in prison where he actually describes one of the encounters he had with the man he met through the cafe. Um, he had met this man at a hotel. The other man had expressed um, a fantasy. This man's fantasy was having Armin um, slaughter him and then lay in bed with the pieces of his flesh. So, you know, that was this guy's fantasy. He wanted to be killed and he wanted to be chopped up and he wanted Armin to lay in bed with his uh, chopped up body pieces, basically. Um Armin said that when they met, they had met at a hotel, you know, they were getting, they were getting into it, you know, doing whatever it is that they do when you're gearing up to try to like kill and eat somebody. Um, Armin is quoted as saying that what he had done was take pieces of paper and he wrote the names of body parts on the pieces of paper and then he stuck them into the corresponding body part, like actually physically onto this man's body using needles. Um, he describes that this action had excited the other man a lot. But when it came time for him to actually go through with like killing the man and, and going through with the actual act that was being fantasized about... Um, the man, basically, he got cold feet. He's like, I don't want to die. I don't actually want to go through with this. I'm sorry. I, I changed my mind. Um, and surprisingly, Armin just let him go. He was like, okay, if you don't want to do it, you know, I'm not going to kill you if, if you don't want to die. Like, it was nice to meet you. <laughs> he, like, shakes his hand or something. I don't know. And just, but, you know, Armin, Armin lets him leave. They part ways and, you know, nothing and nothing else happens beyond, you know, the whole thing with the paper and, and sticking the paper into the man's skin with needles. But, you know, all in all, this, this guy, he walks out unharmed. He walks out alive. Um, so poor Armin, poor Armin, what am I saying? But Armin was, he was striking out a lot with the people who, you know, he was answering their ads and the people that were answering his ads. You know, everybody was talking about how they wanted to do all these things and what all their fantasies were and how they were totally willing to let Armin, you know, kill them and butcher their body and eat them. But when it came down to put their money where their mouth was, you know, none of these, none of these men were willing to go through with it. So... You know, Armin was Armin was getting a little frustrated and 
You know, he was getting frustrated, but he wasn't losing hope. He was still posting on the Cannibal Cafe. He was still answering people's ads. Um, And he actually ended up, I believe, responding. I can't quite remember if Armin had posted the ad and it was responded to or if he had responded to another ad. But basically, in early March of 2001, he gets connected with Baron Brandes, who would end up being the one person Armin found who was willing to go through with the fantasy of being killed and being eaten. Um, I do want to give a little bit of background into who Baron Brandes was before we dive into exactly what happened to him. So like Armin, Brandis had also been traumatized and scarred by things that had happened to him in the past. When Brandis was five, his mother had committed suicide. Um, his father just basically shut down and refused to talk to him about it. This caused Brandis's relationship with his father to break down. And when Brandis came out to his father as gay, you know, it basically completely shattered. There was nothing left there. His relationship with his father, as bad as it was up to that point, it was just non-existent after Brandes had come out to him. And on the outside, you know, Brandes, too, was a normal, successful businessman. I believe he was also, he had a job in technology. He might have been a computer engineer or something similar to that. Um, but he also had another side to him, which was, you know, the darker, more adventurous, sexual side. Um... In 1999, actually, Brandes picked up a rent boy who went by the name of Jimmy F. Um, Jimmy F. worked out of one of the largest railway stations in Berlin. And in that same documentary, um, the interview with a cannibal, where there is the interview with Armin from prison, um, the journalists, they actually find Jimmy F. and they interview him as well. Um, and Jimmy gives a really kind of shocking or unsettling interview where he describes his encounter with Brandes and basically says that Brandes just wanted pain. He wanted Jimmy to hurt him. He says he wanted the pain like in his chest and his genital area. Um, Jimmy describes that, you know, the one thing Brandes wanted the most from him was for Jimmy to actually bite off his penis um, Jimmy describes Brandes basically during their encounter, like he had given Jimmy a knife and he tells Jimmy to like hold the knife up against his penis, which Jimmy did, you know, cause he's a working man. He's, he's trying to make his money here. He's got a job to do. Um, and then like having the knife held against him, Jimmy says like excited Brandes so much that he basically just started begging Jimmy to just like cut his dick off you know he's like I don't want it anymore do it cut it off give me what I want this is the only thing I want and you know Jimmy of course he's like mm, I don't think I can do that man that's kind of that's kind of pushing it like are you sure and then Jimmy describes that Brandis started offering him he's like anything you want I'll give it to you if you want ten thousand dollars I'll give it to you like I don't care just cut my penis off <laughs> and uh, you know it, it's kind of been described that brand is this whole thing like with beyond the pain that he wanted beyond the pain that he was searching from these sexual encounters he was having on um, 
you know, he basically just wanted to sacrifice his body to something. And this was, it started off as a fantasy. He would just imagine that these things were happening to him, that his body was being mutilated in a certain way. And he was experiencing this kind of pain. And for a long time, that was enough for him. But the fantasy had become so ingrained in him. He had become so invested in this fantasy that it just was not working for him anymore to think about it. He genuinely wanted this action, you know, for somebody to cut off his penis or as he wanted, bite it off. He legitimately wanted this to happen to him now. It wasn't enough to just think about it. He was actively searching out somebody who would legitimately go through with doing that to him. So, you know, here's Brandes who developed this fantasy of having somebody mutilate him in this way, who's no longer satisfied with just imagining it happening. You know, and then on the other hand, we have Armin, who at this time still hasn't found a person who was legitimately willing to let him basically kill, butcher, and eat them. And, you know, somewhere along the way, they both happen to be frequenting the same forum, and they end up crossing paths. So... Oh, yes. Okay. I can clarify this. It was later in my notes, I guess. So Brandes does post an ad, basically. Um, The subject was either dinner or your dinner. And the body text basically said, I'm offering you the chance to eat me alive. Who really wants it? Who needs a genuine victim? And so Armin comes across this post and he's like, oh, yeah, me, I want it. I want to eat you. I want a genuine, real victim. And so he answers Brandes' post, basically. You know, for Armin, he's reading this post and he's like, this is my ideal victim. And it really was. Brandes' own fantasies were the perfect counterpart to Armin's own, basically. So Armin replies to this post, um, and he and Brandes start beginning to message back and forth. Um, you know, they start chatting a little bit, getting to know each other, you know, confirming what each of their fantasies are, and they start to actually work out a plan to meet up um, where they plan to go back to Armin's home at Rotenberg, where Armin would then fulfill Brandes' fantasy of having his body mutilated, and after which Armin would murder Brandes, butcher him, and then eat Brandes' body. Um, I was actually able to locate a uh, excerpt from a chat between Armin and Brandes, um, Armin went by the screen name Antrophagus and Brandes by Cater99. Um, this excerpt is from harpers.org. It was originally in German. It was translated by Gina Moore. Um, the chat is from March 6, 2001, which is three days before Armin and Brandes are scheduled to meet up. I am going to go ahead and read this excerpt while I'm reading it. I'm going to refer to Brandes as C for Cater and Meves or Armin as A for Antrophagus, just because that's going to be easier. But this is the transcript of the chat. C says, hello, for question marks. A says, hi, Cater. What do you do professionally that you are up so late at night? C says, I can't sleep well anymore because of our meeting. 
A then says, that's a sensible reason. Yesterday, I was incredibly tired. It was a stressful day. C replies, I'm in telecommunications. A says, oh, that sounds interesting. C replies, I believe you. A says, I'm looking forward to our meeting. It will definitely be really cool. C says, I want it to be. I hope it'll be really cool. Are you setting an alarm clock? With five question marks. A says, it's only a few days until March 9th. C replies, still, I would have rather met you yesterday and felt your teeth. A says, one can't have everything. There's still some time before you really feel my teeth. C replies, I hardly know what to expect. Have you slaughtered a man before? A says, unfortunately, only in my dreams, but in my thoughts, I do it every night. C replies, so I'm the first? You have eaten human flesh before, or you haven't. A replies, no, you don't exactly find it in the supermarket, unfortunately. C says, how do you know if it will taste good to you, or that the blood won't make you sick? A replies, I'm readying myself with my dreams. Once I was so excited, I grabbed a needle and drew my blood so I could drink it. C says, in your blood, it tasted good to you? A replies, it was quite tasty. Once I was drilling some holes and the drill slipped right into my hand. That was a real treat. Blood is the juice of life. It contains everything a person needs for nutrition. C says, then I hope you won't wilt, that you can really see it through without a problem. A replies, to bite into your penis will certainly not be easy. Living flesh is somewhat more resistant than fried. But one thing is certain, our dream will be fulfilled. C replies, but there's not so much in it as there is in muscle. A replies, yeah, but the penis is principally a spongy material filled with blood. C says, for both our sakes, I hope that's true. I hope you have also already thought about what's to be done with the rest. Fulfilling the dream shouldn't become a nightmare for you. No one will know where I've disappeared to. A replies, after you're dead, I'll take you out and expertly carve you up. Except for a pair of knees and some fleshy trash, there won't be much of you left. C replies, there will be a good bit like the knees. I hope you have a good hiding place for them. A replies, I'll dry out the knees and grind them up soon after. C then replies, okay, they're good as fertilizer. I heard that once. I see you've thought about it. Good. Sounds like I'm the first. A says, and you won't be the last, hopefully. I've already considered catching a young person from the street, but I would rather kill only those who want to be killed. C replies, that also doesn't sound bad. But yeah, seeing as it's not so totally illegal, this is in my eyes better than yanking somebody directly off the street. To which A replies, exactly. I'd do it if it were legal. So they are having clear conversations about exactly what it is that Brandes wants from Armin and what Armin is going to do for like for Brandes or to Brandes, I suppose I should say. And, you know, Brandes is psyched about it. He's like, I can't wait to meet up with you. You know, in the in the chat, he says, I can't wait to feel your teeth. And, you know, they're very, very clearly talking about what is going to happen when they meet up with each other. Um, and on March 9th, 2001, they do end up meeting up with each other. So at 8.44 a.m. approximately, Brandes gets on a train, which he takes from Berlin to Castle, where Armin will actually pick him up. He picks him up at the station around 11.40 a.m. Um... Armin, in his interviews, he describes Brandes this day. He was wearing a baseball cap. He had a dark shirt on, a jacket, and a pair of jeans. He was carrying a plastic bag in his hands. 
He says when they met up, they didn't really talk much at the station because it was a very busy station. It's it's a relatively large station that they met up at. Um, and it said, like, Armin says there's too much going on. So they didn't really talk at the station. Um, they really only started to converse with each other once they had gotten out of the station and they got into Armin's car. Um, as they drove back towards Rotenberg, where Armin lived, um, Armin says that Brandis immediately just started touching him. He was so excited by the prospect of what was going to happen that, you know, according to Armin, he just couldn't keep his hands to himself. He was so excited thinking about what they were going to get up to and what was going to happen to him when they got back to Armin's house. So as they drive or sorry, it takes them about an hour to reach Rotenberg and Armin's home after they leave the station. So, you know, they park the car, they get out and they go inside the house. Um, According to Armin, this is where Brandes, you know, he goes into the living room and he just immediately starts stripping naked. And Armin says that he told him that he was stripping so Armin could admire his dinner, Um, which is just like, I know we know where this is going, but (laughs) like that is, oh, I just literally punched my microphone, LOL, but The fact that, you know, he just, or Armin says he just strips naked and he's like, hey, here's my naked body. This is your dinner. Oh gosh, it's so, it's insane to think about. But anyways, um, you know, Armin himself has described Brandes as like, he was good looking. He had a sporty figure. It was basically, you know, he was basically everything that Armin had been looking for and describing in the post when he was talking about you know, the ideal person that he was looking for to basically, you know, make a meal out of. And Brandes was full gung-ho about it. He's like, I'm so in, I'll get naked for you, take a good look at, you know, what you're going to be eating for dinner. Um, So after Brandes strips naked in the living room, they go upstairs to the um, slaughter room that Armin had built, which is basically a room that he had constructed in his home. Remember, he's living in this gigantic farmhouse. It's just him. So he created this room, which was, it was like soundproof. There were like hooks in the ceiling, I believe. There was a bed in there and he had, you know, specifically designed it for purposes of slaughtering people. It was his slaughter room. So Armin and Brandis go up to this room. Um, They have some coffee, I believe. And then after that, you know, they're both naked. They're drinking their coffee. And then they end up having sex. And while they're getting it on, basically, um, you know, Brandis starts to ask Armin for the things that they had discussed in their chats together. You know, it's, it's, getting a little rough. Brandes is asking Armin to hurt him. You know, he's saying, I want you to, you know, do these things to me. I want you to inflict pain on me. Like Brandes's whole thing was wanting to experience, you know, the quote, ultimate high basically that he thought would come from being eaten alive. Um, but you know, Armin this time around is, is actually the one who kind of ends up getting a little bit of cold feet. He's like, oh gosh, like, I don't know if I can actually do this. Like when faced with their reality of what he 
truly was about to do, he was like, oh gosh, can I really actually do this? Can I bite a man's penis off with my teeth? I don't know. And, you know, Brandes notices that Armin is hesitating. And Brandes is basically like, you know what? If you can't do this, just take me back to Berlin. It's no hard feelings. Like, just drive me back to the train station. I'll go home. We'll forget about it, whatever. So they get dressed. They hop back in Armin's car. And Armin drives Brandes all the way back to the station in Berlin. But, you know, along the way, Armin kind of changes his mind. He's like, you know what? No, like, I can do this. This is my fantasy I've had. I finally found somebody who is willing to let me enact this fantasy. Like, I want to give you what you want. So, you know, Brandes is like, okay, well, we'll give it a second shot. We'll try it again. So they turn around from the station and they decide to go back to Armin's house. Um, They do stop at like a pharmacy, I think, in the interview, they call it a chemist, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure I believe it's just like a pharmacy. Um, and they pick up some sleeping pills and some cough medicine because, you know, Brandes is like, you know, maybe if I if I have some sleeping pills or if I, you know, kind of take this medication and and become a little looser, you know, maybe it'll be easier for you to do these things to me if I'm not like so with it, maybe if, if it's like I'm already dead or whatever. So they stop, they pick up these sleeping pills, they pick up the cough medicine, and they go back to Armin's house. Um, They again go back up to Armin's slaughter room. At this time, you know, they undress again. Um, Brandes takes the sleeping pills. He takes the cough syrup. He drinks some peach schnapps to kind of get himself, you know, in that mood he was talking about where he thinks if he's like loose if he is kind of out of it maybe it'll be easier for Armin to you know do the things that Brandon wants or Brandes wants him to do to him so you know they go back up to the slaughter room again they're naked they begin to have sex so while they're having sex around 6 15 in the evening or so as Armin describes it um you know, Brandes has gotten so worked up. He is so into it that he basically says he just can't take it anymore. He's like, you need to cut it off, basically. He starts begging Armin to just do it. He's like, cut it off. Cut my penis off. I can't take it anymore. Like, I need you to do this. So I believe they had grabbed a knife or something prior to going back up to the slaughter room. So you know, the whole biting it off thing doesn't really work. I think Armin does try to bite it off like Brandes had asked him to, but, you know, it's just not happening. So he grabs the knife that he had brought up to the slaughter room with him or had in the slaughter room. I can't quite remember exactly what it was, but, you know, either way, he's got this knife. Um, He puts it against, you know, the base of Brandes's penis and he's He's trying to he's trying to cut it off, basically. He's he's sawing back and forth, but nothing nothing is happening. The knife is too dull. So, you know, Brandes is like, I can't, no, like this is not working. You need to go get another knife. Like, we need we need to make this thing happen. Cause, you know, what Armin and Brandes had discussed prior, like they had really talked about this entire act and how everything was gonna happen beforehand. So you know, Brandes and Armin, they discuss, like, not only was Armin to cut Brandes's penis off, kill him, and eat him, but this entire time, they're also recording 
all of this on camera. From like the second they step into Armin's house, like the camera is on and they are recording everything. So, you know, this is all on tape. Every single thing of this, it was all caught on tape. So, you know, the, the first knife, it's not working. They can't, like Armin can't cut through the penis flesh. Oh, that feels so weird to say, <laughs> but Armin can't cut through it. It's like, this is not working. We need to get a sharper knife. So Armin goes downstairs. He goes into the kitchen and he grabs another knife. Basically, you know, he probably just rips one out of the butcher's block, like no pun intended. And then he goes back upstairs. He goes back to the slaughter room where, you know, Brandis is still there and he's waiting for him. And he takes this, this new knife that he, grabs and he again you know goes to cut Brandes's penis off and he says that you know after you know a couple slices after a few seconds he's cutting through it successfully this time and you know he says after a few seconds it works he cuts it off like it is off he's done it um Armin says that once it was cut off on Brandes he made a terrible yelling sound he was screaming about it he was like ow 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 the pain it hurts so bad and he was going on and on about this for about you know 20 to 30 seconds Armin describes it as Brandis saying you know all he could see was black he was feeling woozy he had to sit down um but then after a few moments uh Brandis started saying he couldn't feel pain anymore and that this actually upset him what he was hoping from the experience was to have pain inflicted on him so bad that it would kill him. Like he was just planning for the act of getting his manhood cut off was going to be so painful that he couldn't take it and it would literally kill him. So he wasn't really happy that the pain was not as much as he had expected it to be. But what he was really happy about, or so Armin describes is what he was really happy about, was the fact that he could see, you know, that his penis was cut off and that the blood was spurting out of his body, basically. According to Armin, you know, Brandis saw this and it really, really excited him. So, you know, the penis is off at this point. It's cut off. It's in Armin's hand. You know, there's blood everywhere, probably, but... You know, that's that's not enough for Brandes at this point. So he he starts to tell Armin, he's like, cut the penis in half. And Armin's like, okay, and just gladly cuts the penis in half, basically. Because what they had also talked about, you know, Armin had clearly established that he would like to eat pieces of Brandes's body. But Brandes, lo and behold, he was like, you know what? I want to eat pieces of my body, too. So... You know, they cut the penis in half or Armin cuts it in half and they basically each take a, a slice of penis. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, they each take a piece and they um, basically they just try to they try to eat it raw. They try to have a have a little snacky snack right then and there. And, you know, they're like, OK, yeah, this is not working According to Armin, he says it was just too tough and chewy for them to be able to eat raw, which is, oh, it's like it gives me shivers. <laughs> it's absolutely disgusting. But, you know, that's how it was. According to Armin, he said it was just too tough and chewy. They couldn't do it. Like, there was no way they were going to be able to eat it raw. So, you know, 
he decides to take the penis downstairs to the kitchen. You know, Armin follows him, not Armin, Brandes follows Armin down and sits down at the kitchen table. You know, this is all still being recorded. The camera's still running. Um, so Armin then decides to put the penis into a frying pan. Um, he had washed them before this, you know, got the blood off, whatever. He throws the penis into a pan with some oil, some salt, some pepper, um, something else. I think nutmeg, he said as well. And, you know, basically he just starts to fry up the penis. But according to him, he says the meat was so fresh that it basically just shriveled up in the pan and it was completely inedible. But, of course, he and Brandes still try to eat it anyways, but it was, you know, entirely inedible, according to Armin. They just couldn't do it. It was disgusting. So, you know, they end up, or Armin just ends up, like, feeding it to his dog or something. They just chuck the pieces. They're like, we can't eat this. It's We can't do this. So, um, they just decide to feed it to Armin's dog, basically. So at this point, you know, Brandes has consumed a whole lot of sleeping pills. He's drank the cough medicine. He's drank like an entire bottle of peach schnapps. So, you know, he is, he's not doing too well, you know, notwithstanding also the fact that he just had his penis cut off and he is bleeding profusely probably everywhere. So it's around 9 p.m. He starts complaining to Armin that he is feeling cold. So what Armin decides to do is run him a bath, basically. So Armin fills the tub up. He helps Brandes back upstairs. Um, he puts him into the bath. And I guess at this point, actually, like the blood had kind of stopped flowing from Brandes's open wound. Because, um, you know, you get cold, your blood vessels, they kind of constrict and they slow bleeding. So Brandes wasn't bleeding as much as he had been when the first cut had initially happened. And Armin describes that, you know, when he got into the bath, when Brandes got into the bath, since it was hot water, um, his blood vessels basically opened up again. And it excited Brandes that he could now see the blood spurting out of his wound again. And according to Armin, you know, he said it was spurting out like a fountain, basically. And Armin says that this really excited Brandes. He was super psyched to see that he was bleeding again and he could see his blood basically spurting out from the spot where his, where his penis used to be. Um, so Armin basically, he leaves Brandis in the bath. He's like, okay, you hang out in here. Like, I'll come check on you every hour or so. Um, then he, Armin just goes into his room. He lays down on his bed. He picks up a Star Trek book and he starts reading. Um, he goes in to check on Brandis like every hour or so, basically to see if he's still alive at this point, you know, because he's been bleeding profusely for a couple hours now. Um, after about two and a half hours, Armin says that he heard Brandis calling for him. So he goes again to check on him in the bath to see what's up. Um, he says that when he went to check on Brandes, Brandes was happy because he was basically at this point just laying in a tub full of his own blood. I um, don't know how true that is. Don't know how true any of these things that Armin is reporting are, you know, seeing as he's talking about a man that he killed and butchered and ate. But, you know, according to Armin, Brandes was sitting in this bathtub and he was he was happy as a clam because he was sitting in a tub full of his blood. Um, So Armin's basically like, cool, dude, like, enjoy your tub of blood. I'm going to go back and I'm going to keep reading my Star Trek book. So 
Urban goes back into his bedroom. Um, he opens his book again, and a little while later, Brandis calls for him, you know, come back in the bathroom again. So at this point, Brandis is saying that he wants to get out of the bath. Um, he's tired. He wants to go back downstairs. Um, and he basically tries to get out of the bath himself. He's like, I got this. I can get up. You know, I just want to go downstairs. Help me get downstairs. But as he's trying to get out of the tub, he he collapses. He faints. Um, he's unconscious on the floor. He is, you know, still bleeding. He is pale he is you know clearly not not doing well to put it lightly so armin he picks up brandes he kind of takes him up like bridal style um and then he takes him i believe upstairs he takes him back to this slaughter room that he's made um the knife is still in there the knife that they use to you know do that initial deed um is still in the slaughter room so at this point armin is like all right it's time i gotta do what i gotta do i i have to kill him so armin picks up the knife brandes is still unconscious at this point there's still a camera <laughs> that's recording all of this like don't forget that all of this is on camera somehow some way armin is still recording all of this um so he's got the knife in hand. He knows that he needs to do the final act, that it's time. He's going to have to kill Brandes at this point, you know, so he can get to fulfilling his fantasy of being able to, you know, butcher Brandes's body and eat him. So he he says in the interview that he does, you know, the one from the documentary that I watched, that it was really hard for him to actually go through with the act of killing Brandes. He has said before, you know, he said in that documentary that that was the one part of everything that he did that he really struggled with being able to do. You know, it, it was fine for him to, you know, cut Brandes's penis off and try to eat it and try to fry it up in a pan. But, you know, when it came time to actually kill him, he's like, oh, no, I can't do that. That's too much. Like, oh, I can't do that. I can't kill somebody. That's, ooh, that's crossing the line there. So... He says that Armin says that he, you know, he kissed Brandes on the mouth a few times. He prayed to God for forgiveness. And then, you know, basically he picked up the knife again and he stabs Brandes in the throat with it. And he like pushed it into Brandes's neck. Like this is like an 18 inch long knife or something like that. And he had shoved it into Brandes's side of the neck so hard that it basically comes out the other side. Um, and this is the thing that finally ends up killing Brandes. He bleeds out from this slash in his throat, from the knife wound in his throat, and he he does die from this wound. Um, and after Brandes dies, this is when Armin gets to work actually butchering Brandes's body. Um, he had found directions, I believe, on the Cannibal Cafe or another similar like cannibal form that he had found that were actually directions on how to butcher a human body. So what he does is he separates the head from the body. He removes the internal organs. He cuts the body in half like lengthwise. He then proceeded to wash the body, cut like large chunks of it off. 
And then he stores the pieces of the meat and the rest of the body in this large meat freezer he has. And then he places a false bottom in the freezer to cover up the bits of human meat. And then he takes like regular animal meat like beef and pork, you know, things that you would typically find in a meat freezer. And he places them on top of this false bottom. So, you know, if somebody were to open it and look into it, they would just see a regular freezer full of regular like animal meat and not the people meat that he has below that false bottom. So Armin actually consumes the pieces of Brandes' flesh over the next 10 months or so. He actually ended up eating over 44 pounds of Brandes' flesh in this time period. Um, he states that he would like, he would like make a make a time of it. Like when he was preparing this meat, Brandes' meat, he would really go all out he would like prepare the table like it was a special occasion he'd use his best dinnerware he would set the table with candles and he would basically prepare the pieces of brandes's flesh like he was cooking like i think he says like he was cooking a flank steak like a really nice flank steak is what he would prepare this meat like you know he would cook it up in the pan he would make potatoes with it he made some brussels sprouts like he really made himself a nice little gourmet dinner with this this human meat that he had you know he was really really making a time of it he wanted he wanted to have a nice dinner of of people meat basically like if you've ever seen um hannibal the show with um uh Mads Mikkelsen who plays Hannibal like the all the scenes of him preparing like spoiler alert <laughs> but I mean if it's a show about Hannibal you can assume he's eating people but spoiler anyways on um, the scenes of Hannibal preparing the dinners that he is making with you know the body parts of, of his victims the people he's killing you know that's kind of what I picture from the way that Armin was describing how he was preparing these pieces of Brandis's body to be eaten like I just picture him in his kitchen he's got some music on he's lighting candles he's like I'm about to have a five-star meal and you know he's cooking people meat which is just absolutely depraved but you know I just thought it was kind of funny that is what I picture <laughs> is those scenes from Hannibal like when I think about how Armin must have been preparing you know this flesh that he was about to eat um anyways <laughs> um he does state that eating the pieces of Brandes's body it made him feel like he had achieved a dream that he had been thinking about like for decades at this point you know it was a strange feeling for him he said but it really felt like he was achieving a dream he was achieving a fantasy and I think he actually compared eating Brandes's flesh to taking holy communion um as blasphemous as that is um was Armin's whole thing like the root of his fantasy and why he wanted to eat somebody in the first place was you know, basically to feel like he always had a piece of them with him in his body. Um, you know, so that's why he compared it to taking Holy Communion. You know, you're taking the body of Christ into yourself. And he was like, I am taking 
the body of Baron Brandes into my body and he's going to be with me forever, basically. Um, he does also describe human meat as tasting like pork, but he said it has like a stronger, more substantial taste. Um, and he also, of course, you know, makes a point to say that it, it tasted really good. You know, of course, of course he does. Of course he has to tell us it tastes good. But, um, you know, two days go by after Brandes's murder, you know, Armin is just sitting happy as a clam, enjoying his people steak. Um, Brandes actually had a boyfriend back in Berlin that did end up reporting him missing, but Brandes had actually gone and scrubbed his entire internet history, all the chats that he had had with Armin, so there was, like, no trace of where he had went. There was nothing that could be found in any of, like, Brandes' internet search histories or anything like that that would have, you know, clued anybody in as to where he went and what happened to him. There was nothing that could be found that would have connected him to Armin. Um... So Armin, you know, he he had fulfilled his fantasy. He found his willing victim. He was able to, you know, kill him, butcher him. He's been eating his, like, flesh for however long it's been. But, you know, it turns out that just one victim, it, it wasn't enough for Armin. His fetish and his desire for cannibalism and to continue to consume these willing victims, like, it still persisted. It's been like 10 months now since he had killed Brandes, and he's like, I gotta get back on the Cannibal Cafe. I need to find myself another person. I need to find myself another willing victim. So I am heading back to the place that was successful for me the first time. So he hops back on this forum. He's back posting, you know, making his ads. Like, I want to find a willing victim. Let me consume your horny flesh. Um, And a a young Austrian student, a student, student, um, actually replied to one of Armin's posts. And he basically asked Armin, he's like, you know, have you slaughtered a boy before? Like, have you done this before? And Armin replied, um... He says, he had said, like, let's just say I've got experience. He's like, in any case, you wouldn't be the first. Basically confirming to this Austrian student that, like, yeah, 100%, I have I have killed and eaten somebody before. So being a reasonable human being, um, this student, he, he reports Armin to the police. He's like, hey, I was on this forum and I was talking to this guy and, like, I legitimately think that he might have killed and eaten somebody. So, you know, he reports it to the police. The police start investigating. Um, and five months later, they do end up showing up at Armin's house. Um, they come to his house with a search warrant. It's Dece- uh, December 10th, 2002. They show up at his door. They're basically like, we have a warrant to search the premises, sir. We believe, you know, we have reason to believe that, you know, you you might have killed and eaten somebody. You know, I don't I don't know if that's how they said it verbatim, but you know, that's that's the suspicion they have. So December 10th, 2002, they show up at Armin's house and like we have a warrant to search the premises. Um they do go into the house, they do search the premises, and they end up finding that meat freezer. They open it up, they peer inside it, um, and they do see the human meat, the pieces of Brandes that Armin still had stored in the freezer. Um, they're, they're immediately suspicious. They're like, um, Armin, what, what kind of meat is this? What kind of meat is this in your freezer? 
And Armin's like, oh, you know, it's it's just animal meat. It's like pork and beef, you know, it's just the normal stuff. Um, and I believe there was actually a female officer who was with the team of police that searched Armin's house. And after Armin's like, oh, yeah, it's beef, it's pork, it's just regular animal meat. She's like, honey, she's like, I am a housewife. I am a cook. I know what animal meat looks like. And she's like, that is not animal meat. So they take a couple pieces of this meat with them. They're going to go ahead. They're going to get tested. Um, they're taking it in for forensic examination. And again, as they're searching through the house, they actually find a couple other things that, you know, end up being super, super incriminating to Armin. Um, that includes his computer, a video camera with numerous cassettes, three knives, an axe, and a butcher's apron. So, you know, they have found some loot in Armin's house and they take it all with them. Um, and they basically, they're like, mm, yeah, um, Armin, you're under arrest. Like, or actually, no, not yet. They're like, you might be under arrest. Like, don't go anywhere. We're very suspicious of you. So they take all this evidence that they have gotten from Armin's house. And Armin is basically like, oh shit. Cause like he, he knows what they're going to find. They have the pieces of Brandes' body that were still in Armin's freezer. They're going to take those to get tested. And most importantly, in case y'all forgot, they have the video camera. They have the cassettes. They have the entire crock of everything that Armin recorded of everything that he and Brandis did together. They have got it on tape. So... Armin's like, oh shit, I gotta do something. I'm about to be in it deep, deep. So what he does, um, he actually calls his attorney. The attorney's name is Harold Ermel. And he's basically like, hey, can you represent me in this case? Like, I have I have done some stuff. And Ermel, his lawyer, he's like, of course, yeah, like I can represent you. Like, what's going on? And Armin's like, um, yeah, so it's like a case of extreme violence. It concerns me personally. Um, and Armel is like, hmm, okay, like, what did you do? And, and Armin's basically like, you know, would you represent me if I killed someone? And then, you know, basically he just ends up spilling the beans to Armel. He's like, I killed a man. I cut his body into pieces and then I ate some of him. I know his attorney, instead of running for the hills, he's like, okay, yeah, like, cool. I'll, rep I'll represent you. Like, that's cool with me. You're a cannibal. Like, you know, no biggie. I'll still be your attorney. Heck yeah. Let's get to it. I'll represent you. Um, so the police do end up coming back and arresting Armin for the murder of Brandes. So he gets arrested. The police have all this evidence that they found, you know, the pieces of the body, the videotape, things like that. So, you know, for them, they're thinking like this is an open and shut case. They have solid proof, video proof of everything that Armin had done to Brandes. Um, before the trial, it was actually brought into question whether or not Armin was actually mentally fit to stand trial. You know, because they're thinking, they're like, this guy, this guy's got to have something wrong with him. And, like, there's no way that a sane human person would do the things that we saw this man do on this tape. So he gets, um, I want to say reviewed, but that's not the right word. Evaluated. That's the word. He gets evaluated by a psychologist. And basically, the psychologist determines that he is competent to stand trial. 
So Armin goes on trial for his crime in 2004. Um, the smoking gun really for the prosecution was that video they had found. Um, I believe it was something like six or eight hours long and it explicitly detailed everything. Like from the second that um, Armin and Brandes had walked into his door, you know, when they're having sex, when Brandes is asking for Armin to cut his penis off when, you know, Armin is coming in a check on Brandes in the bathtub. And, you know, especially the moment that Armin does end up killing Brandes. And then on video also is the entire process of Armin butchering and, you know, cutting up Brandes's body. So the prosecution has all of this. They're like, okay, there is no way that we are not going to get this guy for murder. So, um, the jurors in the case, too, were actually shown this video. I believe they're only shown, like, collectively only about an hour of the film. But it was so graphic and so disturbing that a lot of these jurors actually ended up needing therapy for PTSD after the trial had ended because they were just so scarred and so disturbed by what they had seen on this video, which, you know, I could only imagine having to sit on a jury and having to watch a video of somebody explicitly murdering and then butchering the body of another human being. Like, I would probably need therapy after that, too. Honestly, like, for real, I don't know what I could do or I don't know what I would do if I had to sit through and watch that and then, you know, also make a decision about, you know, the, the punishment that the person who had done those acts on the video was going to get. I don't know if I could do it. Anyways, but the video, it was destroyed after the trial. So the whole thing, like you can't watch this video. It's not available. Um, However, there are leaked like screenshots from the video. Um, And I have seen them. I did go searching for them. They are available online so i am not gonna post them anywhere but you know if if you're sick and you want to see them um google is free (laughs) so if you're really wanting to see these photos they do exist they are on the internet if you google deep dive enough you can find them but like i said i'm not gonna post them because i'm not trying to like get banned on Instagram or something. So, you know, if you want to see them, you can Google them, but that's your own business. Do that on your own time. Um, Okay. So Armin's defense in the trial basically rested on two major things. So the first thing was that in Germany at the time, there were actually no laws against cannibalism. So they couldn't get Armin a cannibalism because there's no law in Germany saying that it was illegal. Um, The second thing was that Brandes was a willing victim. There were multiple points in the video where it was seen and heard that Brandes had asked Armin to do these things to him. He was a willing participant. Um, He had given his explicit consent for Armin to not only mutilate his body, but then kill him and consume his flesh after. Um, On the other hand, the prosecution's argument was that Armin was guilty of murder for the purposes of sexual pleasure. Um, Armin had actually admitted that he had masturbated one time when he watched the video of his crime over again. Um, He was also charged with disturbing the peace of the dead. But, you know, the biggest thing here was they were trying to convict him, you know, for murder for the purposes of sexual pleasure, basically, because he had admitted that he did get sexual pleasure from watching the video over after he had committed the crime. 
So Armin is on trial. All this evidence is presented. You know, the jury is shown the hour of the video. They go in, they deliberate, and they end up finding, um, you know, they come back. It's January 20th, 2004. The jury comes back and they find Armin guilty of manslaughter. And he is sentenced to eight and a half years in prison. So he's not convicted for murder or anything like that. It's it's manslaughter. So eight and a half years for manslaughter is what he is convicted of. So, you know, he goes to prison. He's sitting in prison, however long it is. Um, and then later, he was actually retried in April of 2005. So this case gets reopened um, after prosecutors actually appealed Muses, or Neves' sentence. So... They're like, "Mm -mm, he shouldn't have been convicted of manslaughter. We're appealing this. And their argument was basically that Armin should have been convicted of murder because he had killed for sexual gratification. Um, And they stated that this motive, it was proved by him having videotaped the crime. And they basically were like, you know, the jury, they did not put enough emphasis on what they saw in the video that proved that he had killed for sexual pleasure. Like they didn't, they didn't weigh that enough in their deliberation. So their conviction of manslaughter in the eight and a half years that Armin got like, that's not enough. Um, so the court that heard the appeal, they did rule that the previous original trial had ignored the significance of the video in disproving the argument that Armin only killed because Brandes had asked him to kill him. Um, at the retrial as well, a psychologist was put on the stand, um, and he had uh, testified basically that Armin still had a high chance of reoffending as well. Like if he got out after the eight and a half years, the chances of him reoffending were high, because um, the psychologist said that Armin still had like fantasies. He said, I think fantasies of quote devouring the flesh of young people. So the psychologist was like, if he gets out in eight and a half years, like he's going to do this again. He's definitely going to reoffend. So. Um, the court hears the new trial, and on May 10th, 2006, Armin is convicted of murder, and he is sentenced to life in prison, um, which is where he is today. Armin is still in prison. Um, he is, I don't know exactly where he's in prison. I tried to find the name of the prison, but I couldn't find anything. Um, but he is still there. He has given interviews from prison before. He's talked to the press Um, He's actually expressed regret for killing Brandes. He has stated, you know, anybody else that has the same kind of fetishes or impulses that he does, like they should seek help. They should seek treatment so they don't escalate in the same way that he did. Um, So he has been basically shown to feel remorse he is apologized for what he had done you know he's basically like if you have these sort of fantasies you need to get help so you don't do what I did um I talked a little bit about the documentary interview with a cannibal that was done um Armin had been interviewed in prison for this documentary which is like where you get all the details like they're really gritty details of the crime and like what Armin said like Brandes had said like you know the things he said while he was in the bathtub and you know the way he had begged basically for for Armin to cut his willy off and all that other stuff like that is all in that documentary it's about like 40 minutes or so you can find it on YouTube um it's a really interesting watch if you're you know into those sorts of things I don't hope if you're listening to this you are into those sorts of things well that's a bad way to phrase it not into it interested by those things that's better because I feel like if you say you're into you know (laughs) a, a 
cannibalistic serial well he's not a serial killer or a cannibalistic killer that you know murdered a man and ate his body like i'm really interested in that people are gonna look at you sideways or no yeah anyways <laughs> i think i'm talking myself in circles at this point but if you want to watch that documentary it's on youtube just search interview with the cannibal or like armin meve's interview with the cannibal you'll be able to find that um so he has talked about a lot like to the media about what he did and about how it felt to consume Brandes's body you know how it felt like he was achieving this fantasy that he had had for like multiple decades at that point you know he's like I always have a part of him with me like I took his body into my body I ate him he's with me forever basically so you know, he's expressed remorse, but at the same time, he's like, it was great. It was a fantasy and I achieved it. And I'm so happy I ate him because now he's with me forever. So it's like, are you really remorseful or like, are you just trying to say that? So, you know, people look at you a little bit better, you know, like what, what is the truth, Armin? What's the truth? Um, but I mean, either way, he is still in prison. He's going to be in prison for the rest of his life. I don't even think he's like eligible for parole or anything like that. But um, he has actually been described as being like very friendly, very outgoing and polite. Um, he, according to the guards and like the prison wardens, he's like one of the few prisoners that they don't have any problems with. Um and actually, I think last year in 2020, um, Armin was actually allowed out of the prison for a little while, like to go on day walks. Um, I think he was taken like the city over, the town over from where the prison is. Um, he was still, he, there was like two armed guards that were still with him. He, you know, had to wear sunglasses and a hat to hide his identity. But like, they let him out of prison. They let him go out in the town, the town, and he was walking around. And he was like living his best life and just, you know, skipping through the city and having a great day outside. And like the German public was like, really? You're going to let this guy out and just let him like walk around the town. And, you know, the guards like, well, he's he's courteous and he's polite and he's been a model prisoner. And it's like, but yeah, he still ate somebody. He still <laughs> killed a man and ate his body. And you're just going to let him just go out on the town because he's, you know, a good boy in prison. <laughs> and he doesn't start like prison rise. It doesn't shiv people in the showers. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought that was funny that he's like you know, going out on the town and getting all these special privileges when he committed this absolutely heinous crime. But because he's a well-behaved prisoner, they're like, sure, Ermin, you can go on a day walk. You can go out on the town during the day. It's totally fine. Um, another thing I think is quite humorous is that since he's been in prison, um, he has also become a vegetarian. <laughs> So he's sworn off meat entirely and he's like, I am going to be a vegetarian. I am not going to eat meat anymore. I repent my actions and I'm, I'm going to be a vegetarian for the rest of my life. So, you know, good, good for you, Armin. I'm glad you have sworn off all meat for the rest of your life after, you know, consuming 44 pounds of human flesh, you know, back in the early 2000s. But Whatever floats your boat, Armin, whatever you want to do. Um, so, I mean, that's really the story. That is the story of Armin Meves, the Rotenberg cannibal, Der Metzgermeister, the master butcher. Um, this case, it's really, it's infamous. It has inspired um, 
a lot of like media. There was actually a couple films that were inspired by the story. One, both of them were released in 2006, actually. One is called Grim Love. Um, so this was released in 2006 and it was actually, um, subsequently banned in Germany not too long after it was released because Armin basically stated that his personality rights had been violated. If you don't know what personality rights are, they're basically like the rights that an individual has to control the commercial use of their own identity, like their name, their image, their likeness, or like any other like unequivocal identifier that is specific to them. So he basically said, you know, this movie, it violated my personal rights. And then it was banned in Germany. Another movie, it was also made. It's called Cannibal. This one was also released in 2006. And I, I watched this one. And when I tell y'all that it was, it was gnarly. It was, it was some shit. Like I am not, an easy person to be thrown off by like horror and gore. Like I basically grew up on horror movies and things like that. Like I'm pretty sure the first horror movie I ever watched, I believe it was the silence of the lambs when I was like maybe nine or 10. I don't know how old I was specifically, but I was definitely not old enough to be watching that movie. Um, but I don't know. It's like live fast, die young, psychologically scar yourself in an early age, whatever. It's fine. Um, but it takes a lot for me to get like, the heebie-jeebies and feel like thrown off by I just punched my microphone again I feel like thrown off by a like a horror movie or gory movie but I tell you when I watched that one I was I was highly uncomfortable um if you're curious about the movie but don't actually want to watch it um there is a channel on YouTube um called Spooky Rice where they do a whole series called like disturbing breakdowns where they basically watch disturbing movies and just um, summarize it in a YouTube video. So if you want to kind of get a summary an in-depth summary of that movie, but you don't want to like actually watch the movie, which I don't blame you if you don't want to watch it. um, You can go to like the spooky rice channel and you can look up that video. If you're really curious to see what that movie is about, cause it is gnarly. Um, Anyways, there's also been like some songs that have been released, like not some, actually a lot of songs have been released that are inspired by this crime on most notably the German band Ramstein, Ramstein, I'm probably saying that wrong, Ramstein, Um, they're like an industrial metal band, a German metal band, they released a song, I believe it's called Mein Tale about the Armin Meves case and that was like pretty popular in Germany they put it on MTV but then it ended up getting like banned or like something at MTV where like the the German like the equivalent of whatever the FCC is in Germany were basically like mm, yeah you can't play this music video before 11 p.m like on any sort of public channel so you know it, it kind of got banned like the the German you know whoever controls the the censorship and what can be seen on TV were like not too happy. And they're like, yeah, you can't play this music video unless it's after 11 PM. Cause you know, you know, no decent human being is up past 11 PM. So they're not going to be scarred if they see this music video, which I don't know. I just thought that was a little funny. Um, there've also been a few like TV shows that have had episodes that were, like inspired by the case or they mentioned the case like I believe there is like a reference to it in 30 Rock um in Brooklyn Nine-Nine Jake's character like becomes friends with a cannibal and they end up like catching a, a another cannibal like using a cannibal forum that Jake's cannibal buddy like 
told him to use. Um, and there was also, of course, there's Hannibal, which is in and of itself a show about Hannibal Lecter, Cannibal, but there's a reference also made to this case in an episode of Hannibal as well. Um, so it's, this case is infamous. It is, you know, not hugely well-known, I don't think. It's not like something if you said the name Armin Meves to people, you know, it's not going to click in somebody's head. Like if you said Jeffrey Dahmer, or like Ted Bundy or Richard Ramirez or something like that. But like those who do know about it, if you say that to them, they're like, oh yeah, I know that case. Like, oh God, that case. And, you know, clearly it's had quite an impact on like pop culture. There's been movies made about it, songs made about it, TV shows inspired by it. So you know, it really definitely left a mark for good reason. You know, I, the first time I heard of this case, I can't really even remember where and when I heard of it, but I just remember thinking to myself, I'm like, this is one of the most terrible things that I have ever heard of. And it was also so fascinating because I'm like, what would draw a person, you know, not only to want to cannibalize somebody but want to be cannibalized like I think that is what fascinates me the most about this case is you know not Armin and his fantasies of wanting to eat somebody but like Baron Brandes and his desire to want to be eaten like not the point of just having like suicidal ideations or something like that or wanting to to die or kill yourself but to want to die in that way to want to have you know a part of your body cut off and have your body mutilated and eat that part of your body with the person who cut it off of you. I'm just like, what, what inspires a person to have those thoughts? Like what has to happen in a person's life to traumatize them to the point where they're like, you know how I want to go out. You know how I want to end my life. I want you to chop my dick off. I want to eat it with you. And then I want you to murder me and eat my body. Like, I don't know. I just can't wrap my head around that. I think that like, the psychology behind that is absolutely fascinating. I would love to do more research into that and kind of delve deeper into the psychology aspect. But I mean, that's the story. That is the story of Armin Meves. That's the Rotenberg cannibal. Um, as gnarly as the story is, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, if you would like to give me a follow on Instagram, I am there at um, T-S-R-H podcast on Instagram. Um, you can also, if you want to send me an email, like maybe if you have a case to recommend, um, I have an email address. It's T-S-R-H podcast at gmail.com. So if you'd like to chat, you know, send a case recommendation, email me your thoughts about this episode. You can email me. Um, also if you, like I said, want to give me a follow on Instagram, I make posts about each case that I'm going to be covering so we can chat about it in the comments. But you know, if you want to give the Instagram a follow, give the Instagram a follow. I post all my sources in the, um, description of the Instagram posts for each case. I give a little bit of background for it as well. Um, post some photos that are relevant to the case. So, you know, give the Instagram a follow. I also post like sneak peeks to what case I'm going to be doing next with like my little coming soon post. So, you know, if you want to keep updated and you want to chat with me, go follow the Instagram at TSRH podcast. Um, 
And next week, the case I'm going to cover is the case of the Dutro affair, um, which was actually recommended for me to do by one of my friends. This is a case that has to do with a child sex trafficking ring. So, you know, if that's not your cup of tea, I fully understand. Um, but full disclosure, that is what is up next on the list. But you know, thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast and I will see you all on the next one. Bye.